Hey friends, M. Faring here. I am so glad you're joining me as we journey through the pages of God's Word, looking for the big picture story, digging deep in study, and discovering how all of this applies to our lives. Most importantly, I hope we're able to see how Jesus is found throughout it all, plus learn more about God's character and love for us along the way. Let's open our Bibles together, one chapter at a time. Okay, friends, let's begin. Hey, y'all. It's beginning to sound a whole lot like Christmas, well, Advent, actually, on the podcast today. But before we dive into our discussion of all things Advent, let's not be too quick in skipping over the importance of gratitude, my friends. I am hopeful that each one of us found moments to be thankful and grateful during the Thanksgiving holiday. I love how this season reminds us to give thanks to God for everything He's done for us and given to us. A few years ago, I heard Jess Conley share these words about thankfulness that I still refer back to in my journal pages often. She said, Thankfulness is not weak and wimpy. It is not nostalgic and polite. Thankfulness is intentional warfare against the idea that God is not enough for us. Thankfulness is worshipful warfare against the idea that we need more. Thankfulness is a weapon of worship that we've been given to defeat the darkness around us. Does it seem like everyone else is having a more vibrant, wild, adventurous, beautiful, tidy, and exciting life than you? Do you feel left out, left behind, or less than? Or maybe you just find yourself defensive in judging others who seem to have a different or even better life than you in comparison. So instead of pitching a fit with God, instead of sulking, instead of judging, I get aggressively grateful for what God has done, is doing, and has promised to do in my life right where I'm at. I thank Him for my children waking up smiling. I thank Him for coffee. I thank Him for seeing a friend while grocery shopping. I thank Him for a peaceful 30 seconds. I thank Him for the sunset. I make myself a student of God's faithfulness. I make it my personal goal to be the most thankful because I know that helps me fight the lie that there is somewhere better, something better for me, than God's abundance right where I'm at. Did you hear that, friends? A student of God's faithfulness aggressively grateful. Wow. Such important reminders when considering the importance of thankfulness and gratitude in our lives, in our everyday life, not just in November. How would your own I thank him for list begin? Okay, now as we begin in today's episode content, I feel it best to start here. Exactly what is Advent even? Advent is defined as coming or arrival and as a season of waiting and longing even for the promised Savior and Messiah for Jesus. Advent begins the fourth Sunday before Christmas and goes until Christmas Day. This year, Advent began on November 28th, and it challenges us to focus on Jesus in the weeks leading up to Christmas. During Advent, we remember what it is like to wait for Jesus' first Advent on earth, His coming as a baby in Bethlehem. And Advent is also the season when we wait for Jesus to come again to our world and make everything right. His future return as the King of Kings, as promised in the book of Revelation. We are people who live between these two advents. We are living in the already and the not yet. Hang with me for a minute, friends. This reminds me of another thought I have about gratefulness that ties right into our discussion about Advent here. Each of our lives is different, and we all go through different circumstances, but waiting comes to us all. We must learn how to wait well and make the most of the season we're in as we anticipate the next. In between the now and the not yet should be gratefulness, my friends. And I'm learning that gratefulness is key to waiting well because who we become while we are waiting is as important as what we are waiting for. 
Those from the Old Testament times who were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah waited and trusted God in their wait. And imagine the gratitude they felt when Jesus finally came. The same is true for us as we wait for Jesus' second advent as well. And while we are waiting on God, we are waiting with God. God with us is there the whole time. Now that truth is worthy of our gratitude for sure. As we move on, I hope you remember when I mentioned in episode two the importance of letting Scripture interpret Scripture. In light of that study principle, from Genesis all the way to Malachi, the Old Testament contains many, many prophecies about the birth of the coming Messiah. Let's take a look at some of the Old Testament prophecies of Jesus' birth, along with their New Testament fulfillment in Christ from the New Living Translation of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it says, And I will cause hostility between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He, Jesus, will strike your head, and you, Satan, will strike his heel. And then the New Testament fulfillment in Galatians 4, verse 4. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. Can I just stop us for a moment to say how amazing it is that the first mention of Jesus, of God's rescue plan, is found in Genesis 3. Truthfully, this third chapter in Genesis shows us both our need and the reason for the manger in the first place. Don't see it? Not sure what I'm even talking about? (laughs) No worries at all. I absolutely promise that we will take a deep dive into this chapter as we study through the book of Genesis in the coming months. So much goodness to be found right here as we see Jesus was part of the plan from the very beginning, from the very first moments when sin entered the world. I can't wait, friends. As another side note, we will be revisiting the Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 scripture in our next Advent episode too, so be sure to listen in for that. Okay, let's get back on track here with a few more Old Testament promises fulfilled by Jesus in his Advent in the New Testament. In God's promise to Abraham found in Genesis chapter 22 verse 18, And through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. And then we find in the book of Matthew chapter 1 verses 1 and 2, This is the record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Yet another Old Testament prophecy is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And then in the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 27, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. We also find in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, verses 22 through 23, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In the Old Testament book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathath, you are a small village among the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel, whose origins are in the distant past, will come from you on my behalf. This scripture finds fulfillment in Matthew chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you, and will be the shepherd for my people Israel. And one more, God's promise to King David, found in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 13. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. 
He is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. And this scripture from the Old Testament finds fulfillment in the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 31 and 32. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. God promised Abraham he would send someone, a descendant, to bless all nations. God with us would be born in Bethlehem. God promised David a forever kingdom. These scriptures represent only a few of the many promises God fulfilled that he made about Jesus, promises that Jesus perfectly fulfilled. Oh, how I wish we had time to walk through all of those promises. But remember this important truth, my friends. Jesus, as found throughout the entirety of the Bible, is all the proof we need that God always, always keeps his promises, and he will keep his promises to us too. In the meantime, though, please take time to sit in these Old Testament prophecies, to feel the ache and the longing as you cling to these promises. This perspective will help us feel the thrill of Christmas to feel the thrill of hope in a weary world waiting for centuries for the promised Messiah to arrive. It is a great reminder to us as well as we sit between two advents and anxiously await the day when Emmanuel, God with us, will come back to dwell with us again, when Jesus will make all things new. While we wait 12 months, or more specifically, four weeks, to celebrate the birth of Jesus, the people of God who lived before His coming waited thousands of years, from the first promise of Jesus to His birth in Bethlehem. Generations and even more generations of those who waited for a Savior are represented in the names of the genealogy of Jesus. We might be tempted to read quickly through the list of these genealogies. We might think that these long lists are a very unexciting way to start the Christmas story in the book of Matthew, or to end it in the book of Luke. But this mindset fails to recognize the individual stories of those found in the family line of Jesus. We will see a glimpse of the glory of God's plan for Christmas that began even before the universe was formed. Each person in these genealogies is evidence of God's goodness and grace. Every name is also evidence of our God who is sovereign over every detail of our lives. Each new generation represents more years of waiting through seasons of joy and suffering. Truthfully, Christmas didn't begin with a baby. It began with a promise, friends. Christmas is the answer to thousands of long years waiting for the promised Messiah. And speaking of Jesus' genealogy and many, many generations waiting for the Messiah— Let's read in Matthew chapter 1 from the New Living Translation. This is the record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of David and of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah was the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Amminadab. Amminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Solomon. Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was the father of Asa. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the father of Joram. Jehoram was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Ammon. Ammon was the father of Josiah. Josiah was the father of Jehoiakim and his brothers, born in the time of the exile in Babylon. After the Babylonian exile, Jehoiachin was the father of Shatil. 
Shatil was the father of Jerubabel. Zerubbabel was the father of Ebud. Ebud was the father of Eliakim. Eliakim was the father of Azor. Azor was the father of Zadok. Zadok was the father of Achim. Achim was the father of Eliad. Eliad was the father of Eleazar. Eleazar was the father of Mathen. Mathen was the father of Jacob. Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus, who is called the Messiah. All those listed include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. Phew, what a mouthful of names, many of which I'm 100% positive I mispronounced. <laughs> oh, This genealogy of Jesus is based through the tribe of Judah and the ancestry of King David, and it was written for a Jewish audience. Matthew begins with Abraham as he is considered the father of the Jewish nation. I would also encourage you to take time to look at the ancestry of Jesus as recorded in the book of Luke in chapter 3. Luke, a Gentile himself, traces Jesus' lineage all the way back to Adam because Adam is considered the father of humanity, which would appeal to his Gentile audience. Truthfully though, friends, please, please, please be sure to access the show notes by swiping up on your podcast app screen to see them below. Today's episode notes are loaded full of a few scripture references to the individual stories found in Matthew's tracing of the family line of Jesus we just read to give you a framework or overview or maybe just a reminder about each one. Sometimes I fear that we become too comfortable with these stories or even just think of them as just that. Stories that we read on the pages of the Bible rather than recognizing that all these names represent real lives with real joys and real struggles and hearts that deeply longed for the arrival of the Messiah to save them. Don't miss this opportunity to look at these lives and the purposes of the Messiah even as found in these scripture references. Okay, remember this. Go to show notes to take a deeper dive. Got it? Check? Perfect. <laughs> so many names, so many stories, so much to study in both genealogies. Luckily, we will be digging into many of these names in our study sessions to come. In the meantime, though, let these genealogies remind us that the waiting for the first Christmas was long. At times, as the generations passed one by one, it likely seemed that God had forgotten his promises and turned his back on his people. But, as we will discover more in depth in the next episode, when the time was just right, Emmanuel, God with us, entered our world as a baby boy born in Bethlehem. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Yes, yes he did, my friends. While they lived in loneliness, in sorrow, in hurt, in tragedy, in the sheer brokenness of our world, Israel begged God to send a Savior. But even as they pleaded for rescue, they rejoiced. Israel could rejoice as they cried out for a Savior because they believed in the promises of God. In the same way, Advent is a reminder that we too are in a season of waiting. Old Testament believers and those in Jesus' family lineage waited for His arrival just as we wait for Him to come again. As we look back at the faithfulness of God to send Jesus through seemingly impossible circumstances, and we will touch on this more briefly here in a bit in this episode today, and we'll continue to do so even in the episode to come, our hearts are encouraged and even more confident that Christ will come again. The hope, peace, joy, and love of Jesus that we experience in part now, we will experience in full at His second advent. Jesus came into the world in a season of great waiting. As the Old Testament comes to a close with a four-chapter book called Malachi, we simply turn one page and then we are reading the book of Matthew and the genealogy of Jesus. This is such great news. God has done what He has promised to do all through the Old Testament. There in one page, in one turning, 
one millisecond, it happens. Historically, this is not how it played out, though. Four centuries of nothing from God. 400 years of where is God? Think of that. 400 years without any recorded word from God. No voice, no prophet, nothing. Imagine the heartache and the waiting and the struggle to keep faith in the promises given before that time. You can almost hear the questions from one generation to the next. Had God vanished? Was he ever really there? Was faith in him a waste of time? That is the before story of Emmanuel coming from heaven to earth. 400 years of nothing from heaven as far as we know, and then the angel of the Lord comes to Mary in Matthew chapter 1. More on this visit and so much more from the Christmas story in the next episode, I promise. Waiting has been a theme discussed over and over again in this episode already, but I want us to lean in a bit more to consider how long that wait for the promised Messiah was, especially in light of our own seasons of waiting. My weary heart was so encouraged to hear these words from Pastor Luigi Glio. While God rarely comes at our appointed time, He always comes at the right time. A Savior had been promised to God's people for centuries, and for centuries they longed and prayed for rescue to no avail. Yet on the right day, in the right place, at the right time, Jesus was born. Christmas reminds us that God comes through on His promise. We are all waiting on something or someone, often wondering if God has forgotten us. Is that where you are today? In your waiting, let the birth of Christ encourage you. Just because God hasn't come through as far as you can see, it doesn't mean He has abandoned you. This very minute, He's working for His glory and for your good. Though circumstances say otherwise, God is moving right now to fulfill His long-appointed plans for you. Don't give up. Take hope in the manger and know that you are prized by Jesus. He stepped down from heaven for you. And just as He loved you that day, He loves you right now. And Jesus is with you, even in the storm. I know all of these things to be true, but I just needed another reminder, I guess. Maybe you did too, my precious friends. God works while we wait. Amen and amen. Friends, please remember that this show is scheduled to release every other Wednesday wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Up next time will be some more talk about all things Advent. More specifically, the Christmas story itself. I can't wait. Please take some moments to prep for the next episode by spending time using the study tips I discussed in detail in episode 2 to closely examine the Christmas story found in Matthew chapters 1 and 2 and Luke chapters 1 and 2. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode for the specific chapters and verses related to Jesus' birth and the events that follow. I also included the scripture references to quite a few of the individuals listed in Jesus' genealogy in the book of Matthew. Don't forget to take a deeper dive in the genealogy of the book of Luke as well to look for similarities and differences as we previously talked about while keeping the two different audiences these authors both had in mind as you study. Okay, friends, if you've not done so already, please hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. And if you are loving the show, please go give this one a five-star review which is like giving me and this podcast a digital hug, plus is a way to help others find it so they can join us here too. Definitely a win-win to me. (laughs) This is M. Faring, and I can't wait until we open our Bibles together next time, my friends.